Hello, Logan. Happy Friday. Uh, thanks for joining me. I, I know you had a headache today. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm pushing through, so we're, we're good. Yeah. Thank God for Tylenol. Yes, that's amazing that he has those things to help us. Um, I'm so grateful for you and continuing to do this even on a hard day. So um, with that, I want, I want to start today with a prayer. Um, I want to start with a prayer that is the most powerful one for me, and that is the full serenity prayer. Um, I'll get into it now, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this prayer a bunch over time. And Sounds good. Full serenity prayer uh, goes, <laughs> sorry, I talked over you. Um, full serenity prayer goes, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, leaving one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting you'll make all things right if I surrender to your will, so I they be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen. So um, I love that because... Um, the thing I struggle with the most in the world is accepting the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. So, which is what we're talking about again today, that I'm not God and you're probably not either. So uh, let's see here. Uh, we have some questions to answer, right? Yes, we do. All right. I guess the first question is, what can you not start or stop doing no matter how hard you try? Um, for me, it's two of them. I eat food for comfort, uh, primarily peanut M&Ms. And everybody who knows me from my recovery meetings that had candy knows that that is my thing. Uh, and then um, at times I will stay engaged with people that really want to argue. Well, I'm not trying to argue, but I, I want to get a point across, even though I know that they're not capable of listening or understanding what I'm talking about. And then you've seen me have this before where I end up getting engaged over and over again. And I, I don't disengage myself very well from those situations. So those are my, my two big ones uh, that I do. And um, I prayerfully need to help on like how to do that. Well, um, especially when I'm talking with somebody, cause I'll really passionately like see something that reminds me of myself when I was younger and I want them to, to like, I'm like, hey, I've been in this situation. And if they could know the perspective I have, their life would be better. But I can't stop them from gaining the experience through pain and suffering the way I did as well. So um, that, that's just my thing. So how about you, Mr. Logan? Oh, I don't know if I can limit it to two, um, maybe the top two. Um, it, what can I not stop doing no matter how hard I try? Um, well, I'm going to have to get, get with you the same way on the uh, eating to, to remove stress. That's something that I've struggled with for a long time. I always, I always kind of balloon up when I, when I have stress and then when I have some free time and the stress dips down, then, you know, I'll lose, you know, 75% of it. <laughs> so, you know, so over time, just a, a sort of up and to the right. Um, but that's something that's that's uh, that's uh, that's definitely been a struggle. The other thing is um, kind of along some of the sim similar lines uh, to what you were saying, though I'm not going to go into it super far. Is that I, I tend to have a 
uh, difficult time not trying to improve and fix everything. So if I know that there is something that I believe could be work better, you know, whether it's around the house or whether or not it's like a, you know, a church or whatever, it's like, oh man, this could be better. Uh, I have a hard time accepting that we have to, there are things in this world that we just have to accept because that's what people like, or that's, that's how things have to be. And so I have a, a difficult time and I've run myself in circles many, many times trying to improve things that there is a better way of doing it, but probably not something that people appreciate super well, you know, finding that right time to fix something that's not broken. I guess that, you know, waiting yeah. till something is actually broken to fix it. Um, I have a hard time with that. Um, you know. But the, the one that's kind of on the top of my mind is because just because I just went through this yesterday was I have a hard time not, um, no, I just have a hard time with um, not, you know, I, I guess getting into these situations with my kids every once in a while where I just get, I feel very uh, disrespected and then I kind of blow up on them a bit, not blow up and like, you know, not like physically throwing anything at them or anything like that. But sometimes I'll say things to them that I believe are true, but if I would just take a moment, I would notice that I would know that they can be very hurtful because sometimes just being even too honest about the way I'm feeling and, you know, feeling justified and like, Hey, these are my feelings and I'm sharing them with you. You know, you, this is the way you made me feel when I asked you to do this. And I didn't, I feel like I didn't ask you to do that much, but you transgressed or you disobeyed. And so that feeling of disrespect that you get from when, when you lay out, Hey, this is where you need to, these are the boundaries and you walked over them. But then, you know, being the adult and not necessarily communicating everything that you're feeling to them. And I just, I went through that with my, with one, my second son last night and it was, you know, there's tears, there's, then there has to be repentance and there has to be all this kind of stuff because, you know, it's just, bah, you know, just blows up and it's like, not like you intended it to happen. You were just being honest about how you were feeling, um, but it caused a smoking wreckage in, in your wake. So. Yeah, I've done that, especially with my wife, a few more than once. Um, we were talking about this before the podcast started. And what works for me in my life is to back all the way up to the motivation of why I was doing something for my family in the first place. And if I am stuck in a mode where I'm doing something transactionally, where I'm going to do X because Y is going to happen after I do X. Um, I'm going to get recognition or doesn't matter what it is, right? Like, or they'll notice that like what I'm doing for them and therefore be motivated to do what I'm asking them to do. Um, yeah, I always fall into the same pit. Um, but when I like go back and check my motivation and be like, oh, when I just like do this as a loving service to them to lift them up, then I don't get myself in the situation where I'm like emotionally feeling disrespected and angry and hurt. Um, and I can just deal with the, um, this behavior of not participating in the family isn't acceptable because mm -hmm. I'm modeling what I want you to do. I want you to serve the family in this loving way, not in a transactional way. Um, that's no fun to go back and, like own my own stuff like 
<laughs> yeah, and I mean it's it's deceptively not it's deceptively not simple to to figure that out because like even when you know even what you were saying there, it's not like I've ever been aware of a transactional thing. It's not like when I'm doing something like when I'm driving my kids to the umpteenth thing that I am their personal taxi to go to. It's not like I think I'm doing this because I want them to you know. Uh, feed the dogs, you know, every day and every night, the way that they have committed to doing for me a hundred times and have followed through on 89 times, you know, but you know, those other 11 times, the dogs still need to be fed. Why am I feeding these dogs? You know, it's not like, it's not like, you know, you feel the transaction or you intend the transaction, but then later when you, you, you know, when, when they tell you they're going to do something, they don't do it. And then you go, man, like they certainly appreciate it when I do the things that I say that I'm going to do for them. But then and so I think that's when the, and so it, it, it's, it's like, it's complicated because like in the moment you're like, oh, I'm doing this because I love them or because, you know, I want them to have a good time. But then later when the challenge comes and then you, you think, you know, why am I in this situation? Like if they really respected me and appreciated what I did, then they would, they wouldn't do this. And so like, again, trying to having to get past that and own that and, and, you know, not, not react and, and, you know, be the adult in the room. Um, something that I, I have find myself challenged with more and more. And, uh, I wish I could have the silver bullet to, to, to solve it all, but yeah, I haven't found it yet. Like I don't have it either. All I have is the, like when I go back and do my own heart check on it and figure out where my motivations were for why I was so angry in the situation, then I go back and get the the peace and love that surpasses all understanding. And then God does for me what I couldn't do for myself and I'm able to make amends for something I did wrong or if I overreacted or did something there or just make it right. And then we can have a conversation that I wanted to have about how we respect for each other in this family. And one of the ways we show respect is by doing the things to contribute to the family. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, it's disappointing when that doesn't happen. Right. And, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've done that many, many, many times too. <laughs> so it's, it's not like I get it perfect and um, I'll have those days where that pops up and I'll take me, you know, it used to take me a month to get that figured out. And now it'll take me like a few hours couple walks and then I'll be like oh yeah this is where I was at and when I change that then all this other emotion goes away and I can deal with whatever the true issue is rather than all these emotions that are going on inside me so um yeah and god bless my wife because like I had a really really broken childhood so um I had all these landmines that made me really emotional and I felt justified in blowing up because it's like, you know, you just made me feel this emotional. And, but her action was a very small one. It was like stepping on a landmine, right? It was a tiny, tiny uh, thing that was a tiny, tiny slight, but it hit something that was a major issue for my past and blew up. And I had to learn how to like set those to the side, process those that separately, and just process whatever tiny infraction my wife did that really didn't make a big deal, right? So she would, dealt with me as I dealt with each one of those landmines over time and 
thank goodness they don't blow up anymore. I haven't had one blow up in a really, really, really long time, years. Um, yeah, I think it was four years ago the last time one hit super hard. Um, and it wasn't my it wasn't my wife who did it, but uh, like it was one that reverberated for a really long time that she had to deal with me walking through. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the fun stuff of life, right? Is figuring it all out and figuring out our part. Yes, yeah. always always fun. So, so I guess in in summary, what I would love to stop doing is feeling. But no matter how hard <laughs> I try, these disgusting, <laughs> icky horrible emotions continue to surface <laughs> um, but you laugh because you know that i'm not just making a joke there's a little bit of truth there <laughs> wouldn't it wouldn't life be so much easier if we could just well, not have them <laughs> the, the reason why i'm laughing so hard is virtually every single time i talk to logan i awaken his emotions yes right i make him feel more and like instead of less and so like I love talking to Logan because he always ends up having a perspective that loves on me in a really good way and gets me back to whatever I need to be in when I'm navigating my own stuff. But every time I talk to him, I awaken his own emotions. He's like, what? <laughs> so there's it's more like, than once. It's, for... it's good for me, but it's yes. not always fun. So yes. but that's good. There's been a few That's times where I was like, man, I'm so miserable and said exactly why. And he's like started crying because you're dealing with the same thing. So uh, we will try to not make to this uh, podcast into uh, seeing if we can make Logan cry. So um, so the second question we had uh, asked last week is in what areas are you being selfish? Or what areas of your life do you find yourself being selfish? So mine is what I just talked about. I still dysfunctionally relate to my wife with my upbringing um, in a house full of addiction and codependency. Um, it taught me the only way to be safe was being selfish. Um, I had to unlearn those behaviors to have a functioning, like interdependent relationship with my wife. Um, it still pops up from time to time. I know what it is and kind of deal with it. Um, but it's kind of hard that those, those pop up. So, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I think it's the, I mean, these, obviously these two questions are very interrelated, but yeah. the, um, I find myself, you know, it's easy to, it's easy as a, as a involved dad to, to give yourself a, a pass because like, as a, as a dad, like I have very, very little free time. <laughs> You know, and mm -hmm. so, and so, um, you know, and I'm painfully aware of that, right? You know, because you're working and then you, and then, and then I'm participating in the life of the family, um, you know, driving kids around it, as I've already talked about, or, or, you know, uh, you know, helping with household stuff and cooking occasionally, or, you know, a lot of, you know, but a lot of that kind of stuff, you know. And so sometimes when, especially when you get tired, I find myself, just being just giving myself like like a carte blanche pass like you know what i've done enough and then you know i'm up that's it and i'm just i'm just not doing anymore and then i'll kind of sit in that for a little bit even though it's not necessarily like yeah i mean true we work really hard as parents but you know my wife is still tirelessly you know working on the other side and, and you know sometimes there's that thing of like i'm justified in this 
moment of selfishness or um, I'm, I'm justified to, you know, to not do that thing that I know that I need to do because man, I've been working so hard. And so I think those, those type of, type of things crop up, you know, occasionally and just have to deal with them and, and realize, you know, I have, I have a, a good friend of mine who he, he would always tell me he's like probably about 10 years older than me. And he'd say, yeah, you know, you're in like probably the busiest time of your entire life. And it feels overwhelming, you know, teenagers and little ones, et cetera. And he's like, Yep, but in ten, in fifteen years it'll all be gone, and you'll you'll sit there and talk about it like it was the good old days, and like want to go back. And I go, "You're crazy," <laughs> but it's like, no, it's true. And I've talked to enough people to know that that is true. And so it's kind of that thing of like, don't don't despise what what you're in because it's challenging. Because there are other times when you will just look back and and you know you don't realize that they're the good good old days until they're gone. So, um, anyway, I try to, I try to keep that perspective, but it's, uh, you know, it's challenging sometimes, but, but it, it, it helps. Yeah. I am, I am halfway through getting my kids into adulthood, right? I, and that's where I'm at. Like it's with the ages of my two sons and I'm like, Oh, I'm halfway through. Right. And that's like cool, but also scary. Cause I know that that's the times that are magical won't always be there. Right. And so, um, yeah, that is both amazing and sad at the same time. So if you, if you yeah. want to know a really quick shortcut to get back to like maybe 1% from 50%, by the way, I, I know exactly how to do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, for those, for those of you who don't have the context on the podcast, I actually have an eight month old COVID baby. So, uh, you know, at a 16 year old, so, you know, uh, like a big old reset button out of the four children that I have. Yes. So. Um, but I feel, I feel where you're coming from though. Like with my 16 year old, um, I just like, I, I just look at him, you know, and he's literally turning into a man, you know, he's got some facial hair and, you know, he's just, you know, it's, it, it, when I move stuff around the, around the house, he can help. And it's not like that. Oh yeah. You're going to help me move the couch. You know, he actually can lift that into the couch and you're like, Oh, you're actually helping. And I look at him and I just see my waning influence. I go, I'm, he's not listening to me very much at all. Like, you know, he has listened right now. He's keeping his own counsel. And it's like the transition is really soon, you know, 16 It's 18 is not a magical number. It's like 16, like I'm already on the way out. Like I, I better, I better, you know, <laughs> develop some common interests with him so that we can be friends, you know, or buddies or whatever, because, you know, as far as tr traditional dad archetype, you know, my time might, might, might already be done. Yeah. So. I'll be praying for you as always. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. ch challenge. I mean, he's a, He's a good kid, though. So it, yeah. this first one's, you know, a little bit easier than than maybe some, but it's still yeah. it's real. And he and I have the same enneagram type, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, I identify with him. I'm like, oh yeah, I totally make that decision. <laughs> That's exactly well, you, what I would do. You've you've helped me understand the way his mind works. So yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um. So today's podcast is going to be about powerlessness. I mean, just talked about some of the distinct ways we are powerless. Oh yeah. Space, I talked about teenagers. So powerlessness and teenagers go really well together. <laughs> that does. Um, the verse for that is a step one verse uh, from the recovery world. And that is Romans seven eighteen, 
For I know nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And that is the verse that brings me back to reality. Every time I feel restless, irritable, discontent, or I do a heart check, you know, am I hurting, exhausted, angry, resentful, or tense? Um, those things there almost always happen because I didn't do the first thing, which was uh, have Jesus as Lord in my life, right? And when I don't do that, everything else is just a mess. So um, it's my fundamental problem with a huge chunk of um, preaching over the past 50 years as we focused on Jesus as Savior, not Jesus as Lord. And if Jesus, you know, Jesus has been my Savior since I was 15, but nobody told me how to make him Lord of my life until I was in my 30s. And I'm, that's really kind of the theme of our podcast, right? So um, I heard a sermon last week where uh, the pastor said, you know, you, you know, when Jesus is Lord, you get the Savior automatically, right? But when you have the Savior, you're, you don't have the Lord with that portion of it, right? It doesn't go the opposite way. And so that's kind of what I'm focusing on each day to be, like, sane. So, yeah, I mean, the much, you know, much preaching, if, I guess if, if you don't intentionally, intentionally weave it in there can basically come down to you know, trying to motivate people for behavior modification. And that's absolutely loses the entire heart behind um, the heart behind the, the gospel message, because mm -hmm. I mean, if it was about what we could accomplish, then Jesus would not have come down and died. It would have been our savior would have been some really great story about some guy who got all of his stuff together and figured it all out. But the, the part of part of the part and the thing that's hard, especially for me, like I'm an achiever, um, is that that you can't do it on your own. There's and by trying to do it on your own is probably the biggest shortcut to really screwing up your life and the life of everybody around you. To if you're at, at any level convinced that like, oh, I've, I've got this together. You know, it's like I go back to the, you know, the, the parable of the prodigal son. And we, we, we focus on the prodigal who we you know the, the, who walks away and then he comes back and he is restored. But what we don't focus a lot of time is talking about the older brother who had it all together and who had his behavior modified very well, was hardworking, showed up to work on time, did everything that was required of him. And you notice at the end of the story, who's not in the father's presence is the older brother, the one who has convinced that I can do this on my own or I deserve, et cetera. And so powerlessness as a concept, like we have to get our hands around that because it is and the antithesis of everything that is in, 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 in our humanity is that we are promoting ourselves and like, oh, we can do it. I can do it. You know, our culture tells us, oh, yeah, just buckle down. You can do it. But God says, no, you can't do it. I did it. And you need to understand that you're powerless to do it on your own. And you just need to rest in what I've already done and accomplished. And it sounds so easy when a preacher tells you to do it. Oh, just rest. Just relax. It is the hardest thing I have ever been asked to do in my life. And I fail at it every single day, but it comes yeah. back to the fact that it's still true. I am powerless to do this on my own. Like I don't have it. I spent 10 years of my life where the answer to every prayer 
to God was be still and know that I'm God. Every single time. Yeah. Right. And that got really hard because it'd be like, okay, uh, I'll be still and know that you're God. Um, like so much so that my wife made me one Christmas, these beautiful things that hung over our bed. That was like three pictures together. And in the middle one said like, be still and know. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That's what I have to do every day. But it was, it actually transformed my life over a long period of time. And it gave me a faith that is totally different than when I started that interaction. Um, and that thought brings me to kind of like my big thing for this podcast today is um, as I was walking and praying about what to talk about, I really felt God tell me that there's somebody listening today that is believing a lie and they're believing a lie that um, they're going to be happy when something happens, when they retire, when their kids uh, get straight A's, whatever, or they'll be happy. Uh, they would, would be happy if the abuse didn't happen in their life, or they would be happy if they made a different decision, or if only somebody did something this way, if only my boss gave me a raise, if only my wife cleaned up the house before I got home, if only the kids weren't yelling and screaming, if only, right? And um, that's a lie, right? And uh, I want to ask you, Logan, because you're the most industrious person I know, um, when are you going to be happy? Yeah, you you like to ask the easy questions, don't you, Todd? Um <laughs> I don't think you've ever asked me an easy question in your life. Um, you know, that's, I mean, that's a tough question because, you know, I, I would have told you a long time ago, it would have been like, well, when I get my next promotion, you know, or, you know, when I land the next big deal or when I end up, you know, at the top of the top of the sales charts, or if I end up, you know, but uh, you know, reality, you know, being honest and, and, and reality would, would say different because, I don't know that, you know, over the last five, 10 years, as I've, I've grown my career, grown my pay, grown everything that I've was, you know, trying to focus at my, you know, grown our church, you know, et cetera. I don't know that I would say that I'm any more happy. Um, I've actually kind of landed if, you know, I've landed on that. I, that my happiness is not even in, under my control, like happiness as a idea is like, there are some times when I'm happy, like I'll, I'll be walking out and I've cool breeze will come by and, you know, and, oh, you know, you're just happy for a moment. And, but then the more that I'm, the more that I'm responsible for, and the more people I'm connected to, the more chance there is for happiness to be elusive. You know, I think about it and like, oh, you know, even when things at work are going great and my family is doing well, you know, there's somebody I love in my church who's going through and fighting cancer. So like, how am I going to be happy in that moment? Even though, Everything that I have, <laughs> you're just, okay, you're just trying to make me cry. Um, even though everything in, in, in my life that I have, you know, some semblance of perceived control over is in a great, is in a good spot. I'm connected to somebody who's, who's going through something hard. Like, how am I going to have happiness in that moment? But what I've decided is that I'm not even pursuing happiness anymore because happiness is not something that I feel like I can make happen is I just pursue the fulfillment. And there is something different between feeling fulfilled as in I'm fulfilling what God has called me to do. I'm fulfilling my role, my responsibilities and like feeling 
a fulfillment of, okay, well done, rather than the transience of happiness. I just, again, I mean, I don't know if you, to be happy, sustainably happy, I guess you could be unconnected from everybody and everything, but then again, you'd be lonely and you'd be unhappy then too. So I don't know. I mean, someone, I have no idea how you find happiness. I don't think that it's a pursuit that I think is worth my time and attention. And so I have almost entirely abandoned it. And that might sound depressing, but it's not. I'm, I've abandoned a pursuit of happiness for a pursuit of something that I think is, is better. And when that's like fulfillment. I have met every goal I ever set out for myself of I'll be happy when. Mm-hmm. And every time I reached it, I was more miserable than I could ever have possibly imagined. Absolutely. Same. The most successful year of sales I ever had, I was just having an amazing year of sales. Simultaneously, my wife was battling uh, some pretty hard postpartum depression and God turned all of the success and sales to ash in my mouth and all that external success in the world became meaningless utterly and completely. And, you know, you've interacted with me for all those years where I was doing something that the act of doing and being successful at it was ash in my mouth and just was there. Right. Um, God had me in that place and I'm thankful for it, um, cause it brought me to some other place where I could be content rather than happy. Um, and I think that's for me, what my life is about now It's being contented. It's being contented because, um, I'm under God's yoke instead of my own yoke and God's yoke is perfect. Right. And we have a weird idea of contentedness in our society i've talked to several people about it and it's kind of like you know contented is like you're lazy and sitting on a beach drinking a margarita right well no no that's not really it for me it's that finding the optimum load for me to carry and carrying up the hill that's when i am the most content in life where I'm actually truly a semblance of happy and I know peace that surpasses all understanding. That's, that's what I'm doing that when I'm doing what God called me to do. So. Yeah. I think yeah. what Jordan, Jordan Peterson says, he says like shoulder as much responsibility as you can bear mm-hmm. and then march it up the hill and yeah. do, somehow Im- improve the lives of those people who are connected to me, to you in some small way. And that is, and that is the way toward being content or, or having yep. fulfillment. And, you know, not that he's some sort of, you know, luminary or whatever, but I, I, I think that's a pretty good way of putting it, yeah. you know? So uh, there's that, that portion right there. That's kind of infecting our world. I'll be happy when um, the other part of it. And this is the part where um a lot of people that have gone through a lot of pain and suffering in particular people like me, who had terrible things happened to him as a child or a true victim. Uh, there's a lot of, if only's right. If only this didn't happen to me, if only people knew how much I hurt, if only this, if only that, and those, if only's go away when we admit we're completely powerless over the situation that we're in, um, that we can't control it at all. Um, right. So, uh, this is about that for me, 
the last conversation we had is acknowledging we weren't God, but like when I finally acknowledged I wasn't God, I was more miserable than I'd ever been before. Right. Cause all my solutions weren't working and like, I just saw disaster. So if you're like that from last week, and I'll be praying for you guys that last week, listened to the, I'm not God and then realize your life is a disaster. And you're like, what do I do now? Um, well, now it's that powerlessness, like acknowledging that you're powerless over everything and starting to modify our behavior around if only. So um, my thoughts that I have to pay attention to that fall into that category of if only is it's, uh, if only this, you know, um, I'm so mad because um that's so wrong. That one happens to me all the time when I get caught off in traffic. Oh, that was so wrong. I get so angry. Um, and then uh, the I'll be happy when thoughts like, hey, I'm going to go accomplish this thing and then I'll be happy. Um, those are the ones I really have to pay attention to because they're all a lie that will harm me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're focusing on focusing on the next thing you know and then you get to that thing and by the th- that time we're you know we're already focusing on the next thing because you immediately realize that you don't feel as con- content or fulfilled with the thing that you were pursuing i mean that's yeah. that's the classic for those of you who know the enneagram that's the classic three mentality you know i, I was talking to my my sister-in-law and she um she re- she achieved this really incredible thing at in her job and so she was literally walking across the stage she'd reached a rank that you know there's ranks above it but it's a very impressive rank that most people do not get it at the company that she worked for and she was literally walking across the stage at the at the part where they were honoring her for getting that rank and halfway across the stage she was already thinking about the next rank like okay well what is my plan to get to this next one and she she couldn't even couldn't even appreciate and like you know and not i mean that's just that's the mentality. That's the mentality we always fall into is like, even not even taking a moment to appreciate like, oh man, I've, I've achieved something and this is great, but like, you're already onto the next thing. And that's the lie of this world. And it'll continually feed these to you until you get to the end of your life. Um, and you'll, you've never, you've never had enough. You never achieved enough. You never earned enough. You know, I think of that when I look at these billionaires and like they're competitive with each other and like, you know, who can launch more satellites into the sky or this or that or whatever, you know, calling out, calling each other out on Twitter. I'm like, you can't even spend all the money you have in your in, in your lifetime if you tried. Why are you still pushing so hard? Well, because if only. Yeah. I don't know. You know, um, you talked about the prodigal son earlier. And that always reminds me of my, my destituteness when I was in um, my like depths of my addictions, right? Because I was really living in a pigsty in my head, right? I was just so destitute of thought in my soul. And I always identify with the prodigal son, right? Because I was like, oh, yeah, I was way out in the world. I was, I was out there destitute and like, you know, I'm will do anything to not feel like this anymore. Um, and yeah, you're really right about the other portion of that, like the people that were doing all the right things and 
are on the outside. Like I run into that all the time. That's kind of one of the big offenses of the gospel, right? Is that a person like me who is way on the outside is like rescued, right? And I want people that are on the inside to be rescued as and have as much peace and joy as I do. So I that, that's the danger of, uh, of a certain level of prosperity where you, you know, you are really sort of buffered from, you know, from really horrible, you know, uh, things happening. And we, we end up as the older brother. I think everyone has to be the younger brother in order to really enter the present. And that's, that's what the parable really shows. You have to be the younger brother at some point in your life to get into the, to be in the father's presence in that feasting hall. So we have to, and, and we all are, but we just don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that I've done something terrible or I, there are things that are going on that I can't handle and I need to be forgiven and I can't do it on my own and I don't deserve. And so without that realization, we have a lot of people. And I think those are the people that have the hardest time coming to the gospel. And those are the people that find the most offensive when, when, when the gospel says like, you can't do it on your own, you're sinful. And they go, no, I'm not. I'm a good person. You know, I, I follow the rules. And then that person, unfortunately, is all alone in the cold outside the feasting hall with their rules um, alone and and outside of intimacy and relationship. And so I think that that's the tough part, especially, you know, when your life looks like, at least from the outside, that it's pretty well in order or you've generally done the right thing. Like if you're really honest with yourself, you will find a thing that you need to be forgiven for. And lean into that because that's, what's going to lead you to a place of contentedness and fulfillment, because that's going to lead you into the presence of God, because we have to understand our need for a Lord before we'll accept a Lord. Yeah. And, um, it might seem like we're spending a lot of time on this and we probably are. <laughs> um, but for me, the thing I've done the most in my life of working away from my addictions in the past 10 years of really working away from my addiction to self is realize that I'm not God and give my will over uh, to Jesus and make Jesus Lord again in my heart. Um, Cause I'm really, 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 really good. Like I'm better at this than any other thing in my life of taking over from Jesus and making my own decisions again. That's the mm -hmm. thing I do more than anything else. And I do it without even thinking about it. And then I'll be restless, irritable, and discontent. I'll be angry. I'll, all those things that are the unpleasant feelings for me. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I've been doing this like today all on my own. Um, I, you know, I try to work alone today and solve stuff at work alone without Jesus being at the center. I, I try to um, produce this podcast or think about what I'm supposed to do on this podcast without putting God in my center of my heart or uh, talk with my wife about something that's serious about how to deal with my kids or uh, help them grow or any of those things. And yeah, then then hours later, I'll be restless, irritable, discontent and be like, oh yeah, that's right. Because I've been doing it on my own. And then I have to just acknowledge that and put God back at the center again. Um, 
and then I'm fine. Then I'm full of joy and hope and peace and contentedness uh, in an instant. But um, that's just what I do over and over and over again all day long, every day. Yeah. Is that so? That's the problem with a living sacrifice, right? It has the opportunity to crawl off the altar. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what we do. <laughs> we crawl off the altar, and then we have to crawl back onto it. Yes. One of my friends, when I was really early on in recovery, said, What I do every day is I make a really, really detailed list of all the burdens I need God to carry. I pack it up in these really nice suitcases and hand it over to God to carry. And as he walks away, I feel naked without those burdens and I run after him and grab them away from him again. <laughs> and then I, yeah, then I continue to walk carrying those burdens and realize how miserable I am. And then I go, Oh yeah, here you go. You're walking right beside me. I'm, I'm going to give you these pieces of luggage again so you can carry them. Cause I clearly cannot carry them. And then I get forlorn for not having them again and just take them back. Yep. <laughs> That's, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what I do all day, every day. It's so, a good description of the human condition. <laughs> it is. So, you have um, homework for us this week, Todd. I do have homework for us this week. So, next week is going to be a conversation around um, there is a God and he passionately cares for you as an individual. Um, not just creating the whole world and everything in it and then just passively letting it be. He actually created you. Everything was created through him and by him. And he cares passionately about having a relationship with you and wants to make your life better. And those things, I haven't thought of a clever title for it. Um, I'm pretty sure pretty sure it's just gonna be I'm not I'm not God, but there is a God, but there is one. Um pretty sure that's what it's gonna be. But um the homework is where are you trying to find hope for the first question? And what do you believe about God and his characteristics? Oh good. Those are those are some good ones to chew on. Yes, they are. So Thank you so much for those listening. Uh, we love you. We'll be praying for you. And thank you, Logan, for spending the time. Absolutely. My pleasure.